Welcome to Life to the Full, a message to Christians. This is a podcast about the abundant life that God promises in Scripture. We want to inspire those who are frustrated with themselves and their communities to live a transformed life that will impact the world. Our primary purpose is to be a platform that will impact the world through conversation. We want to invite others to connect and unite in curiosity, vulnerability, and responsibility. A transformed life is about growth, learning, and evolving. A transformed life leads to transformed communities, and transformed communities impact the world. One conversation at a time. Welcome back to Life to the Full. It is... The day before Christmas Eve. Happy Christmas Eve, honey. Wait, it's the day before... Christmas Eve. Oh, in like real time. Like, do you call that real time? Or is this real time? I don't know the terms. I don't know. In the future, <laughs> when this episode is published... Yes. It will be Christmas Eve? Mm-hmm. Wow. No, no. Christmas Eve, Eve, Eve. Wait. The 23rd. <laughs> Oh, so Christmas Eve is the 24th. 24th. Christmas Day is the 25th. But so this is Eve Eve. Eve Eve. You didn't want too many Eves. Just two Eves. It's just, yeah, it's it's Christmas Eve for Christmas Eve. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> so, happy Christmas Eve Eve. So, if you've been with us from the beginning, all the way from spring 2020, we are ending our year with the fall season of facing our responsibility Mm -hmm. we started this season with the series of heaven and earth followed by the gospel followed by reconsidering hell and the last series that we're in now is entering into life so podcast listener checkup, so we should we do that? We're penetrating into different areas. We have some listeners on the West Coast. Shout out to Portland and someplace in Oregon, Oregon called Gershom. Oh. At least according to our simple cla- simple cast data. Not really sure where that is. It looks like we got some solid listening listenership out in Ohio, the hey. great state of Ohio. I know there's only ten of you out there, so I'm sure that's a lot. <laughs> We're, we're super penetrating uh, the Midwest and Ohio. Um, our biggest listenership so far is on the East Coast around us, either Jersey, PA, or uh, on the East Coast. Yeah, like New York, mm-hmm. right? Um, I don't see anything. In... Anything in the South? Nothing really in the South. Oh, this this map. Uh, I see something. Is not the best. Right there. What's that? Hendersonville. I don't know where Hendersonville is. That's like eight downloads. That's yeah. super counts. Yeah, Where and and that? best, which I believe is is that France. Best. Oh, we still do it. Somebody's still listening in France. It's encouraging. I think so, or above France, whatever that is. Best beast. That sounds like a French name, like beast. <laughs> like I would kind of pronounce it best. Uh huh. Then they go, no, 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 it is beast. <laughs> this whatever it is we, we gotta get the video I, because we just I, lost I, our viewer our listenership I, in france <laughs> but by me doing that so i apologize no, but we, we gotta get us on video yeah uh, yeah that would be cool so we've been scheming about uh, a real real studio we created a space in my office that we call our studio yeah but we're, we're scheming about a real one and and guys we're testing a gift 
given to me for this very podcast. Yep. Uh, that's a uh, sound. What's the name of it? We don't okay. even we don't even know what it does. <laughs> But it's really cool looking, and it's black. How do we sound, guys? Do we and sound it's foamy? Do do it's we sound like we're um, have gone? We have upgraded our level of podcasting. Let us know in Instagram. We're at Y Superstars. See, I have a problem too. I'm a fidgeter. You are. And this type of foam, I always like want to like pick apart. No. When I get nervous, or when I'm just being myself. We're just nervous. Yeah, so I'll just sit there go. <laughs> So watch out for me and uh, this cool thing that we have here. It is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. I like it. Yep. This is legit. Yeah, so be looking out for new things in 2021. Uh, you know, we might want to move into video. We, we have some plans, some things on the horizon, which you'll, which you'll be hearing about soon. Okay. So what's in for today, Jimmy? I don't know where even to go from here, but we're going to try something. Okay, so we've... You know, we've, we've been on this journey and we are in this, you know, the fall season of facing our responsibility. Um, and we've kind of gotten to a point where I I feel like at this point in the journey, if you've been tracking with us so far or if you are on your own journey where you're realizing, hey, you know, like I don't necessarily see eye to eye with my church mm-hmm. on a variety of issues. And, you know, it hasn't been going well for whatever reason. I think this is like a critical stage where I think you can turn around and you can start uh, getting a little salty, Mm. as they would say, a little crabby, Mm -hmm. a little maybe uh, bitter, Mm. angry. Mm. I don't know. Mm. So as we're ending this out, you know, facing our responsibility, I really want this to be something where we learn how to take responsibility for our own life, too. And our own decisions. Does that make sense? Of course it does. Yeah. You're, you're all about that, right? of why superstars, yeah. baby. Yeah. <laughs> he often forgets if we're doing why superstars, which is the name of the company. He calls my YouTube channel why superstars, even though it's called the youth developer. And it's been running for four years. We Shout should. out to all those who came to our virtual party. That was that was pretty cool. That was a blast. People even knew your, your uh, trivia, or as I called it, pativia. Mm-hmm. That was fun. That, that was that was lots Two of fun. Two truth and a goal. Two truths and a goal, because yeah, we, we a little extra. <laughs> Instead of two truths and a lie, it had to be two truths and a goal. A dream and a wish that is written down is called goal. Nice. So I want to take you back in time for okay. this episode. Mm-hmm. I want to take you back all the way to two thousand and three. Whoa. Yeah. Um, if you if you run in the ICOC circles like we do, like 2003 is kind of like the boogeyman, <laughs> right? That's kind of like where where some stuff went down, where, right? With our family of churches, uh, where you know, quite honestly, you know, many of us haven't really fully recovered from who have, who have been in there. Okay. But I wanna I wanna bring you back to my experience because there's a scripture that we're gonna look at. Um, kind of in the same vein that we're talking about. Here's Jesus again, you know, talking about hell. You know, how Jesus loves loves him some hell. Or, you know, he seems to talk about it the most. Um, and again, we talked about, you know, how hell, is, you know, is more likely a mistranslation. It's not some eternal place where there's some guy in a red leotard 
with a pitchfork <laughs> who is like laughing like <laughs> well you know souls burn forever and ever and ever um you know it's a specific place jesus was probably referring to a specific place called the valley of gihon which was translated hell and people kind of mashed hell together with sheol or the grave the pit and created all types of strange things which aren't really christian aren't really biblical aren't really uh jewish even and jimmy went over this in detail in, we did in a series of we did considering hell yeah and you know so sometimes for me when we have these type of talks it can be really, really easy to look at all the things that are wrong. Right. You know, and I think especially in, the, in having discussions like this, uh, I have to be very careful because for me, it's much, much easier pointing out all the things I don't like mm-hmm. and all the things I, I don't agree with mm-hmm. than actually saying what I do agree with <laughs> yeah. or what I do stand for. Right. You know, and uh, for me, this was one of those times. I feel like I've been on a journey too. So the year was 2003. 1776-ish. <laughs> so at this point, my own story as a disciple, a Christian in this fellowship, um, was I, I got converted into this fellowship in the campus ministry. Um, I, I had different challenges uh, in terms of just like, you know, fitting in with the church culture. Mm-hmm. Some of some of my behaviors were not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the things I did, uh, but I had kind of like figured out how to <laughs> hack the system, <laughs> <laughs> hack the system, and you know how to like you know stop doing some things that were really causing people lots of stress. Um, and so I ended up leading the campus ministry for a while. Uh, I was sort of in and out of leadership my last uh, my last year or so in there. I did the campus ministry. I was in what would today be called the core group for the church. It was like a, the evangelist who and his wife who were like the only paid leaders in my church. And then we had a group of people who were like volunteer leaders. Right. And I started noticing like a really disturbing trend. Uh, the trend I noticed is that we were bringing in a lot of great people into our church, especially in the campus ministry, which I was, you know, intimately a part of. Uh, we weren't keeping them, you know, for someone to last more than six months was very rare to last a whole year was like, it just wasn't happening. Uh, most of the people who were in the campus ministry when I came in were, were already gone at this point. And there were a bunch of new people who I was, you know, very attached to because these, these were like my people. They were the people that I had helped bring in. They were part of my, my Bible talk. They were part of my campus ministry. They, they, they came to my events. You know, I was very attached to these people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started getting really concerned because I felt like, you know, we do a really terrible job of keeping people. It, we must be doing something wrong, you know. And I found myself in the minority position. So it was something that I, I, I kept like I kept bringing up. I kept trying in to, the core meetings in the core groups. I kept trying to bring up. It was something that bothered me. It was like, you know, it was, I think it was just like the beginning of me of like seeing things differently uh, than, than the church. I started just reading big portions of scripture at this point, not just trying cherry picking out for the Bible talk of the week or the sermon of the week or to prove a point. Mm-hmm. Like when you're quote unquote discipling somebody, you have to have a scripture to help somebody mm-hmm. basically to tell them what to do. 
Um, and uh, it, it, was, it would really bother me. And some people would give me, uh, you know, those answers, like, you know, we're not responsible for people's salvation. We're not responsible for people's decisions. If people want to live however they want to live, you can't, you can't stop them, you know, like it's not your responsibility. Um, if, if, you know, they're not, if they're not choosing God and, you know, it kind of really bothered me cause I was like, I don't really feel like that's the case for everybody. I feel like, I feel like it could be us. I feel like there's something about our, the culture mm. that we've created here that's almost like forcing a decision on people, you know, where they're having to choose, you know, to, to stay here or to leave. They, they couldn't, there was like no, like, uh, it was like very black and white. Very black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember I was I was very frustrated. I think we had just lost a few more people. And uh, I'll never forget. I remember exactly where I was. Hmm. I was in um, the apartment building of one of our friends who, is, who had just moved hmm. to uh, Montana, I think. Okay. And I was, we, were, we were in the core group. Um, and the evangelist was there. And then I, I shared the scripture. May, may I yeah. share it? And I was like, we have to take this seriously. I feel like this this is basically who we are. I was not very popular this day. I'm just gonna read the scripture that I read and then we can we can talk about Sure. Maybe the point. Um I I read I read more, but I think this is kind of where I landed. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when he becomes one you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Matthew. Uh, Matthew twenty three fifteen. Thank you. And I read that because I kind of felt like, guys, we're working so hard to get these people. Yeah. You know, there's late nights. We're spending money that most of us don't have, you know, on dinners and lunches and coffees. Um, and gas money. And gas money. Lights. And, you know... <laughs> When when I read ran the campus ministry, I ran an intense schedule. Like the first two weeks of every semester, like we we all met and did group activities like three times a day. It was just about getting numbers, get people's numbers, get people's numbers. You know, I don't think I think we had cell phones at that point. I don't think we had pagers. Um, you know, no smartphones though. It was like one of those like little like like little bricks. The flip phones. Oh, the the big ones. Not the big ones, but like the they were smaller and like you could play like some games on them. Yeah, yeah. I define my phones on the type of games I can play <laughs> on them. You could play like simple Pac Man. Everything was like um, they look like little bits on the screen. Anyway, um, you know, we we were doing so much. We were doing so much. Two weeks of every of every semester, we were out just meeting people, uh, getting to know everybody. Um, the rest of the semester, it was you know we had Bible talk in the middle of the week on campus, and then every Friday night we did an event at somebody's house, either my house or at you know someone else's house who was closer to the campus. And we were working so hard, and it just felt like people would leave us, and they would be worse off than when they came to us. And I remember expressing this and I was just really frustrated because I was like, I think, I think we need to think this through more about how we're keeping, how we're keeping people. How are we taking care of people once they're with us? Because mm-hmm. some, something's wrong. We shouldn't be losing people like this. And um, I don't remember really getting much feedback when I said this. Um, but the, the evangelist at the time pulled me over like right away uh, after 
the meeting and he was like, Jimmy, you have to be really careful with this. Something is coming. Okay, we we got an email, something's coming. We got to be careful. And then the letter hit, I think a few weeks later. And, you know, most of the churches in our fellowship lost like half or more of their membership because some abuses and leadership were called out. Um, you know, and some things that I feel like I'm still trying to figure out exactly what happened. And we, we lost a whole bunch of people. And, uh, you know, it was kind of worldwide. And we went from an international movement. You know, we were all we were all corporately connected under one leadership, uh, one fellowship to like these like little churches that kind of have their own like little government bodies. They still kind of feel like they're connected, but, you know, we're we're something else now. I think it's we're still trying to figure out. Fellowship of churches, maybe? Yeah, but I think we're still trying to figure out how that works. Mm-hmm. So like if one church goes rogue, let's say, and starts, and I think we've already seen some of this, they start saying something or preaching something that every other church has said for years that that's, that's not accurate, right? Like something like mutuality, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, like... And what do you mean by mutuality for those who don't know? Mutuality is like the kind of idea that like, you know, maybe women should be able to preach. Maybe they don't have to like have their husband next to them or a guy next to them when they get up in front of people. I wouldn't say that specific. It just means what it is that men and women were created equally. Yeah. 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 It's not, I think people are holding on into this preaching part because it's like, what? What is that (laughs) sister doing up there? (laughs) Yeah, no, I I understand what you're saying, but I feel like the reason I don't like it when it's it's, it's explained like that mm-hmm. is that I feel like it's it's too much trying to get people to be like, oh, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Oh, I see. But I think, like, practically, that's, like, what it means, mm-hmm. you know, and that people have a problem with. Because I don't think... Any, Are you hitting the pain point? Yeah, I don't, <laughs> think, I don't think anybody would say, oh, I disagree that men and women were created equal and they're, they're two parts. But it's almost kind of like what happened, you know, at the birth of our country, separate but equal, right? You know, like separate water fountains for blacks Mm. and whites, separate bathrooms for whites and blacks, separate schools. Mm, Separate discipling for sisters and brothers. Separate and equal is not equal. (laughs) It's it's different. Okay, I see your point. Yeah, so, you know, but where like no no family of churches has stood up and said that's crazy or Mm. this church is no longer part of our fellowship. Mm. Um, so I think there's still questions floating in the air of how how people are going to deal with these differences. Going, okay. I don't think we really know what we are. I would say that 99.9 of anyone from ICOC listening to this will disagree. Yeah. Um, really? Because, yeah, well, no, only because uh, we don't have the time to think about these things. Yeah. We don't reflect, you know. I mean, I'm not saying, I didn't, I didn't mean the listeners. They're listening because either they have been listening to this podcast podcast for a long time. Yep. But if you were to take any of our friends, for example, who have not listened to any of the podcasts and were to click on this one, E31, they'll be like, no, what? No, we were a big church. Right. We watch the videos of how my money is doing in Africa. Yep. You know, so... There's a huge disconnect. There is a huge disconnect. And I do think behind the scenes, there is an attempt to kind of like, okay, like how can we all come together a little bit more? Yeah. Like there's the ACR, which I feel like they're trying to bring everything together, like in the East Coast or the Americas. Mm 
<laughs> it's only when you ask. It's only when you ask. This information is not given. Right. I, I still remember just asking why. Why didn't you tell me this? Yeah. You know, and we've had this long conversation about it. Um, but it's all that she, this person was um, restricting me from the information. Right. It's she was just like, well, you never asked. Right. <laughs> And I don't think people like even like know. I think mm-hmm. when something traumatic happens, mm-hmm. I think when you're in a moment of something traumatic happening and it's like it changes everything, mm-hmm. there's like there's a brief window of time where there's there's a huge amount of change that's possible and there's a huge amount of things that, that happen. Um, but I think in the aftermath of that, people kind of settle and they kind of get used to what's going on. Mm-hmm. And and so like there's more, I think people were just trying to figure out how to like hold on to their churches how keep, how to keep their churches mm-hmm. from falling apart like they lost all the staff they lost all of this membership it's like what do we do and uh, yeah so I say all this okay um, because you know here we are you know leaving our discussion of hell and coming in how to enter into life mm-hmm. and I think uh, when you look at the gospels especially Matthew. There does seem to be uh, an undercurrent of just a disdain for the religious majority, or some would say maybe religious hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. And I don't think us in modern Christianity see ourselves as much as we should Mm -hmm. in these Gospels um, and the way they were originally intended. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because again, I feel like, you know, we have a lot of scripture verse christianity going on or we're using these to teach moral truths like nt wright said uh exchanging the truth of the gospel for good advice like we're looking for okay what what can i do what what can i tell someone to do how can i help someone by telling them what to do what are the scriptures telling me to do personally what can i what can i get from here that i need to now go do instead of looking at well maybe it's not something that you need to do and the lesson, I think, from Israel's history, from Jewish history, is that they spent a long, long time trying to do the right things. They, they tried to figure this out, um, and, it, and it failed. And I think there's a bigger story going on here. And if you look at the seven woes, the seven woes were, were big for me um, when I was, you know, going through some of these things, uh, going through my own spiritual awakening, because it really just, like, there's no other way to look at it than to look at yourself mm-hmm. when you go through this. I kind of feel this is like the least preached section of the Gospels, uh, at least like in our family of fellowship, um, that you know people don't tend to like go here when when they're looking for stuff. You know, I think especially in the type of Christianity that we've been mostly a part of, we're always kind of looking for that moral truth or that practical application, and this whole scripture kind of talks about like the big picture so here for me what i see is an author who perhaps even sees this happening in his own family of churches two thousand years ago um you know or you know even speaking to the jews of his day you know but these you know gospels were written you know to a gentile jewish audience you know, in some respects, but, you know, I think just looking at this, um, I think we, we can, we should really take lessons for ourselves mm-hmm. about what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, maybe we should just read the whole thing and then talk about it as we go. 
All right. Let's go to Matthew 23. <laughs> Did I say it right? Yeah. How's my pronunciation? It's okay. Matthew 23. Is that better? I don't even know what you just said. Oh, how do you say 23? 23. Matthew 23. And Matthew is Mateo. Mateo 23. <laughs> How's that? It's good. Do I have a hit, like a future as a Spanish audiobook presenter? I believe that you will be <laughs> fluently. You're gonna be bilingual. Wouldn't it be funny though? Is like what, if when I spoke Spanish, my voice was like really deep. <laughs> you mean talking English? I don't know where. What's up, guys? <laughs> Hola, mi amigos. All right. All right Matthew twenty-three. <laughs> Matthew twenty-three. Then Jesus said to the crowds. And his disciples. Now, you know, again, backing up, again, this is where subtitles can be a little bit useful. Just kind of see uh, what's tracking here. We have whose son is the Christ, right? We have the greatest commandment. So Jesus is, is going someplace here. And he said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses's seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. So kind of what we were talking about last week. If you have a faith, if you have a religion, if you have a Christianity that tends to divide people, right? That tends to put people in categories, mm-hmm. tends to separate people. Who's in and who's out. Yeah, who's in who's out. That mm-hmm. could be a form of religious hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. You know, the true gospel should is a unifying force. Mm-hmm. It should be something that brings families together. Mm-hmm. It's something that should be bringing people uh, together, f- regardless of you know like their background, their culture. And it's not sameness. It's not everyone becoming the same. Mm-hmm. That's Babylon. That's empire building. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a richness. It's a unity and diversity that produces a richness that was probably God's intention from the beginning. Go out. You know, spread across the earth and multiply. It was. <laughs> Soft talking knowledge. Verse 5. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplace and to have men call them rabbi. So another thing that, you know, I feel like you can kind of tell if maybe there's something wrong, if there's a very, um, there's a big concern with titles in your church, like who's, who's this, who's that, who's in charge of this. And there's like almost like a separation between like leadership and like the normal Christian, right? (laughs) Maybe the normal Christian is considered maybe struggling because they're not ready to give as much yet. And then you have maybe like the leadership that is like, yes, you know, they're, they're the real Christians. So there's this idea of, you know, what people think about you. Oh, he's a leader or she's a leader. Oh, she's amazing. He's amazing. Right. Um, and I think there's when people are more worried about their reputations than they are necessarily about like who they are, you know, like, and for me, it's like, I kind of always like don't really care what a person's title is, or I try not to care. (laughs) 
Um, but you are not to be called rabbi in verse 8, for you have only one master, and you are all brothers. And you do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you called, nor are you to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humble, humbles himself will be exalted. All right. Um, maybe I could just kind of get to the whole part, because I don't want to feel like, I'm nitpicky, but I do feel like I'm being very nitpicky. <laughs> so I kind of feel like you go through the whole seven woes and you kind of like, you can like pick out. And I think this should be something that I think the temptation is to look at your church. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. It is to look at, especially if you're not having a great go at it. You're not having a great time at your church. You're frustrated by different things. You're seeing things differently than your church. Uh, but I do think that's important. And I think it is a good, it's a good starting point. But I, I think it's also very important to look at yourself. I think human beings are creatures of culture. Mm-hmm. We create culture whether we want to or not. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a lot of times organizations talk about, well, what's my organizational culture? Mm-hmm. Or church leaderships can, can talk about, well, what's, you know, what's the culture of my church? Is it a welcoming culture? Is it a kind of like a... They kind of have their own little cliques, their own little groups. Like, you know, what is it open to visitors? Is it not open to visitors? Whatever. Um, But I think we all have to acknowledge that as human beings, we create culture wherever we go. Mm -hmm. And I I think as we look at some scriptures later, we talk about like how we're building, right? We need to look at some of these things for ourselves. And I think when you go through the seven woes, you see a whole recipe for a miserable, miserable church culture, right? This is basically everything that could possibly go wrong. And if you look at the history of the church, a lot of this stuff has gone wrong, even in recent memory. Uh, pre-2003, this was kind of all in my in my church fellowship. Uh, now, I would say probably to a lesser or greater degree. You know, some things I think, you know, we're doing we're doing much better than we were and some things it's kind of like the same but it's kind of just like beneath the surface but when you get through all of it you get to like the last part so we kind of skip most of it and uh, maybe we'll go back and go go over it but if you get to matthew 23 37 you hear oh jerusalem jerusalem you who kill the prophets and stone doe sent to you how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And for me, this has always stuck out at how easy it is to find peace. Hmm. How easy it is to get out of all this. God, Jesus, the Spirit is kind of just waiting for us to wake up. And when I think this language too, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to you. I feel like maybe the next sentence should be, and now you're going to receive what you deserve because you killed people. Right? This is actually not like metaphor or hyperbole this is like their history this is what they've done and you know jesus here is saying no it's like i've longed to gather you 
together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And that, that imagery there is, has always been very powerful for me. Because I feel like you can, you can look at all this stuff. I think you can look at your church. You can, you can see what you see in the Bible. You can compare it what you see in the church and the people in your church. And you'd be like, there's a serious disconnect. These, these seven woes apply to me and they apply to my church. And you can feel very hopeless. And you can feel very discouraged. And I think the message for me is that with Jesus, there's always hope. With Jesus, there's always a way out. It is my view that there's oh, it's always possible to stop and go a different direction. Mm-hmm. And I don't think as a church, we look enough to ourselves to think about us repenting. Because, you know, you repent, you get baptized, and now you're saved. Mm-hmm. But what about if repentance is something that you do at every point in the journey? What about if the shadow of hell is something that's always with us and the promise of heaven is always with us as well? Yep. At every step and every point of our journey, and every decision that we make. there's a decision. Mm-hmm. And what if those decisions weren't something that you were locked into forever? Because for me, that was always what made heaven and hell so ridiculous when I really thought about it. It what led me to be an atheist uh, initially as, you know, a high school student going into university. Is like, how could that be? How could, like, understanding infinity, understanding eternity, understanding how these brief moments of time disappear, right, when you consider, like, the vastness of forever. Mm-hmm. How could what I do here affect what's going to happen to me forever? Mm-hmm. This isn't even a second. This isn't even a moment in time mm-hmm. compared to the vastness of what's already happened in our cosmos and the universe. Talk about deep time, right? Mm-hmm. There's so much we don't know. There's so much we don't know. And seeing that heaven and hell are very present realities and possibilities. Mm-hmm. And that you're not necessarily locked into any decision. You could be doing really great. You could be living a great life. You could be walking in a way that's entering into life and very, very easily get caught up in these seven woes. Yeah. Get caught up in these things that can trap you in a living hell. And I don't think we think enough about how religious hypocrisy is what Jesus talked the most about when he was talking about hell, mm-hmm. right? He wasn't talking about the adulterous woman. Mm-hmm. He wasn't talking about people who were in different types of sins mm-hmm. or sinful behavior. I'm sure, I'm sure you guys heard the air quotes. Patty did not need to tell you that. Uh, but just understanding that when Jesus talked about hell, he most likely, he, he really only really talked about hell in relationship to people who look like us, Mm -hmm. religious people. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? And when we talk about escaping hell, right, if you can talk about it at all from the scriptures, I think it needs to be how do we keep what we're doing not a version of of a living hell that Jesus did not want for us and he did not want for the world. So for me, that's why the seven woes are so powerful. It's because you can kind of go through them. You can see a laundry list of all the things you can do that can kind of produce a living hell in your own church, in your own fellowship, 
in your own life, right? And when you get to the end, well, what do I do about this? Wow, it's really easy. You just stop. <laughs> you just stop. Now I say that, and I think like some people might might agree with me right away. But then when you really, what does that mean? What does that mean? To stop. Maybe it means stop trying to get people into this before you fix it. <laughs> you know, if you have a if you have a, a church, if you have a culture, if you have a life that's like this, why are you trying to bring people into it? You know, if you uh, if you know if you're going through all types of crazy stuff in your life. And you wake up and you're single, right? And you wake up and you say, hey, I'm going to go find a wife, right? You might have a hard time with that. Maybe you want to fix you first before you go out and you try and bring someone else into your mess, right? Um, there was that funny TikTok <laughs> where um, that woman was like, oh, how to get a man, you know, work on yourself. And then some guy will see you and be like, oh, wow, she looks really happy. Let me go mess up her life. <laughs> you know? Because I think, you know, like when you bring someone else into it, you now you have to deal with that other person too. You know, and if, if you don't have a handle, and I'm saying, not saying you're amazing and you're doing everything right, you know, but just like starting to clean up some of that stuff, you know, like if you're miserable, no, it's not because of your job. It's not because of your church. It's not because of your family. It's because of you. Yeah. You know? And uh, I think, you know, I've, I've seen this in my own life. I've seen people who have had the same different environment. They, they, they're in the same situation. One person is miserable and is holding on to that stuff and can't let that go. And that other person somehow made the best out of a terrible situation. You know? And if I had to choose, I would want to be the person who made the best of a terrible situation. I think we would all say that. But in practicality, we kind of just keep going, right? We're miserable in our jobs. So do we leave? Do we make a plan to leave? No, we just complain about it. We keep going. We keep showing up. Um, and I, I think like we're, we're miserable. Some of us are miserable in our churches, miserable in our fellowship. And I think we see that the choice is either we, we pack up and we leave, right? We say, forget you to everybody. We allow ourselves to be forced to a decision, or we say, maybe there's something else I can be doing here. You know, like, what is the best of this terrible situation that I'm in? Whether your church culture or your leadership listens to you or not. You know, like, what is, what is, what is the win here? What is the love that God wants to create from this situation? I love it personal responsibility and again if uh, anybody wants to set up a coaching session with me i'll be more than happy on the practicality especially when it comes to the language and the stories that you tell yourself adios muchachas and muchachos